So as an opening meditation, um, since this is uh, an introductory class, it's good to start with the introduction to the course. <laughs> it's what drew a lot of people into the course, just reading this first page in the text. It's actually on page one, but it's, there's no page number. If you go to page three in the beginning of, of, the, of the book, uh, two pages before that without a page number is the introduction to the, the entire course. This introduction was written after the course was taken down. Um, I think Helen at some point asked Jesus, uh, said, we, we need an introduction. <laughs> give, give me something here. <laughs> and so after the entire course was taken down, Jesus gave her this introduction to the course. And um, it, it's, it's pretty insightful, just these two little paragraphs. Um, this is a course in miracles. It's a required course. Well, yeah, if you sign up to be a course student <laughs> in your heart, that's the way you sign up. Um, this is a course in miracles. It's a required course. Only the time you take it is voluntary. Jesus is real adamant throughout the course that um, we're all eventually going to wake up. <laughs> Uh, it, it seems like it's a matter of time. In, in some places, he, said, he says, we're already awake, just pretending we're asleep. So only the time you take it is voluntary, seemingly voluntary. Free will does not mean that you can establish the curriculum. It means only that you can elect what you want to take in any given moment. And then the most important part, I think, of the introduction is this is not a course about love. This is not a course about finding peace. And that's what he's saying here. This course does not aim at teaching the meaning of love, for that is beyond what can be taught. However, since our true identity as the Son of God is already intact and we're already still um, joined, we're already still one Son of God, we're all, you know, our true identity, our true innocence is still intact in spite of what we've done in time and space. Uh, the idea is we have to put down the blocks to the awareness of that identity. And that's really the process of forgiveness. And we'll talk a little bit about that this evening. So the Course did not aim at teaching the meaning of love, for that is beyond what can be taught. Love is an experience. Love is our identity. Our, love is our connection with God our Father. It does aim, however, at removing the blocks to the awareness of love's presence to the awareness of our true identity, which is your natural inheritance, which is who we are. And then, and then he goes on with those few remaining powerful lines. So we'll, uh, we'll open that up. Lynn, Lynn will uh, read that opening introduction as a meditation. We'll get quiet for a little bit, invite the Holy Spirit of Jesus or, or whatever the voice of love is you feel connected to inside of you, invite that into your awareness and, uh, and then we'll go from there. You're on mute, Lynn. She's all ready to go. And <laughs> I think I've been doing this long enough to know where the mute button is, but <laughs> uh, this, this is the first thing I ever read of A Course in Miracles, the very first words that I ever read. And um, I, I knew when I heard them, um, this had to be coming from somewhere other than where I was, coming from somewhere um, 
I didn't know at the time, beyond time and space, but that is exactly where it was coming from, beyond time and space. And um, I always love to read it, and so it's a privilege to share it. Um, this, is, this is A Course in Miracles. It is a required course. Only the time you take it is voluntary. Free will does not mean you can establish the curriculum. It means only that you can elect what you want to take at a given time. The course does not aim at teaching the meaning of love for that is beyond what can be taught. It does aim, however, at removing the blocks to the awareness of love's presence, which is your natural inheritance. The opposite of love is fear, but what is all encompassing can have no opposite. This course can therefore be summed up very simply in this way. Nothing real can be threatened. Nothing unreal exists. Herein lies the peace of God. And we'll get quiet for a little bit. I'll bring this out. Gently, gently come back. Oh, we're gonna um, kind of break the this uh, hour session or so. Probably go over a little bit. <laughs> if you gotta go, that's fine. Um, probably go. We won't go longer than an hour and fifteen minutes if we go over um, at all. Um, try to keep it to roughly an hour. And we'll break it up into a section on a little bit of the history of the course, where it came from, some of the main players way back when. <laughs> um, uh, we'll go over a little bit of what we do as a school for Course in Miracles and um, what we offer in, in terms of the school. Um, and um, we'll talk a little bit about resources that are available that you might not be familiar with. Um, and mostly, the meat of the course, the heart of the course, is uh, is this, uh, the, the course is probably untraditional, really almost revolutionary um, definition and process for forgiveness, which is very, very unlike the world's brand of forgiveness. One way of putting what the forgiveness in the world is, is I forgive you because you did something <laughs> not very nice. Um, the course's uh, version of forgiveness is, I forgive you because 
as a as a son of God, you couldn't affect me one way or another anyway. So I forgive you for what you couldn't do to me. And that that'll make sense hopefully as we go along. You don't worry about it right now. But um, the course is the it's a course in miracles, and the miracles are really always about forgiveness, forgiving our brother. Jesus means everybody, um, and ultimately forgiving ourselves for what we thought we did, so um, or didn't do. <laughs> so it, it's the process of forgiveness, but it's redefined in I think a, in a very um, amazing way, practical way actually. Um, and we'll look at, at that, hopefully, most of, the, of uh, this evening's meeting. We'll also talk about the mind, which isn't our brain. <laughs> um, it's, it's good to know what Jesus means when he's talking about mind. He uses the word mind about 2,000 times in the Course, so we'll go over that a little bit. And in between each of these little subsections, um, we'll, we'll take a, a, a moment and ask for questions. If we forget, um, I know Dave Van Dyke will remind me. He, he loves to remind me to do things. So where is he? Did he leave? <laughs> oh, no, there he is. <laughs> so, yeah. So hopefully lots of time for questions, comments, and, um, and then we'll invite some of our, um, of our, our um, long-time course students to, if, they, if they're up for it, to share what the course has done for them. Seems like a lot, probably is, probably <laughs> bit off way more than I can chew, but oh, <laughs> what else is new? <laughs> so, um, well, we're going to cover an hour Jesus spends 1,300 pages on, so this will be interesting. <laughs> um, yeah, so this is the book. And the, one of the most important things, especially if you don't have a book yet, is you want to get this one, <laughs> maybe not such a beat up one, <laughs> but you want to get the version that's put out by Foundation for Inner Peace. And I say you want to get that um, because it's the one we use all the time. There's like four or five versions of, of A Course in Miracles out these days. Um, Circle of Atonement has one, um, Robert Perry has one, uh, the Endeavor Academy out of Wisconsin way back when they put out their own. Um, then there's other courses too that I'm probably not even familiar with. But this one is Foundation for Inner Peace. It has all the paragraphs and, uh, and, and sentences numbered so it's easy reference. And it's the one we use all the time. So right from the get-go. <laughs> so a lot of people go right out if they're not familiar with, with the course and they'll just order you know, whatever's online. And they are, they're not fundamentally different. They all have the same basic content, but in the first four chapters, they can get pretty different. The content of, of forgiveness, the content of asking the Holy Spirit for help, it's in all those versions. However, if you want to do, the, do it the way we're doing it, <laughs> this helps if you have this particular book, is what I'm trying to say. And, uh, Lynn's going to talk a little bit about the history of, of the course, some of the players, and then uh, quote-unquote players, and then uh, a little bit about the school. So go ahead, Lynn. I always realized when we were about to talk about, about A Course in Miracles, <laughs> it seems, as you mentioned, Tim, pretty foolhardy to try to do uh, any, anything justice in an hour. 
but hopefully um, you'll get a little taste of, uh, of uh, the course and the school and uh, how we use the course and uh, some of the benefits of actually working with the course over, over years. It's uh, actually a lifetime uh, journey with A Course in Miracles. It's um, not something you do and then put aside. It becomes um, a path to, to awakening and then to uh, extending uh, that, sharing, sharing that just simply by your presence of being awakened. Uh, just simply by your presence, you share that with others. It's not a religion and we don't uh, uh, preach or proselytize, although we've probably all been guilty of that at some time or another. And um, it's um, the story of, of how the course came in itself is quite extraordinary. Like, how did it get here? The, the course came... Um, from beyond this world, from beyond time, beyond space, and into uh, what the Course calls an illusion, a dream uh, that we are trapped in, uh, that we believe in, a dream uh, that consists of time and space, beginnings and endings, love and fear, um, all the opposites you can think of are found in this world of perception that we uh, seem, seem to live in. So it came from uh, Jesus, from out of time, from a mind that is healed and a mind that overcame uh, his limited, uh, potentially limited self uh, and uh, overcame the idea of death, which is uh, firmly entrenched in the belief in our time, space, beginning and ending existence that, that we share in the dream. So um, how did it get here into words uh, that uh, became a course in miracles? So that's what I'm going to speak about uh, for right now. Uh, how did it get here in a language from beyond all languages? And um, how did it come to reach us? So as um, with most things in A Course in Miracles, it's about relationships. It's about how we see one another. Um, and the Course says, there's another way to see your brother that will free both you and your brother. And if you share that intent with anyone, there is nothing that the power of God cannot do to support a desire for unity as opposed to separation. So in this case, there were two people and uh, their names were uh, Helen Shookman and Bill Thetford. And they were both professors of um, medical psychology at uh, Columbia University School of Surgeons and Physicians. 
So they both had prestigious jobs. Um, they both were um, quite worldly. They were deeply entrenched in academia. They were not particularly likely candidates uh, for this uh, understanding and this, this awakening. Um, however, they had a very contentious relationship and they worked in a very contentious um, situation in the department they worked in. And this went on for years. This, is, this included Helen and Bill. Their particular relationship was also contentious. And one day Bill came into Helen's office uh, and said, I've had it. I've had it with all of this bickering and backbiting and, and um, unpleasant, angry relationships. He says, there has got to be a better way. And lo and behold, Helen, who usually was at odds with Bill about everything, said, I agree, I'll join you in it. So there it was, there's the demonstration of the basics of A Course in Miracles. Two minds joining in one intent uh, can become so powerful that the will of God can use that relationship. Actually, the Holy Spirit, who's our teacher, can use that relationship to transform the relationship and the individuals in the relationship. So um, the one thing that we all need to um, do, and it's really the only thing we need to do to have a similar thing occur for us, it's not gonna look the same as it did for Helen and Bill, but nevertheless, our relationships will become about healing rather than adversarial relationships. The purpose for our relationships will change. And that little thing that we need to learn is the little willingness. The little willingness uh, in A Course in Miracles means we're willing to learn that we don't know the answer. We don't know how to make our relationships holy and happy and healed. But there is something within us called the Holy Spirit that does no. And the little willingness that we have to develop is to learn from a different teacher, to learn from the Holy Spirit instead of what the Course calls the ego. So that becomes all the power in the world in terms of A Course in Miracles. That moment when we choose the teacher of the Holy Spirit instead of the teacher of separation, which the Course calls the ego. So um, shortly after this moment with Helen and Bill, Helen started to have uh, a series of um, very unusual dreams. And they went on for about three months before she actually um, started taking down what she referred to as an inner dictation. She didn't call it channeling. She didn't 
she never lost her awareness of what was going on around her. She could um, take down this dictation and then she could be called away by a phone call or have to leave for some reason. And she would come back and it would pick up right where it left off. And this uh, process continued um, what she referred to as rapid interdictation. This continued for seven years, if you can imagine, seven years. She never considered not doing it, although she was deeply annoyed by it because the voice would start uh, when she was least ready to take down dictation. Uh, it con consumed a good part of her life. Uh, it wasn't something that she was really eager to do, but it was also something that she felt she was supposed to do. And she accepted that. Now, mind you, here she is, you know, in the very beginning of taking down the text. And she has no idea that it's going to wind up being a text, a workbook, a manual for teachers, and on and on. She has no idea it's going to take seven years to do this. So just imagine yourself in a place like that, where you make that kind of a commitment and um, you follow through on it. Um, now, the other, the other part of the collaborative venture, because everything in the course is about collaboration, salvation is a collaborative venture. So in this case, her collaborator was Bill Fetford, also her uh, superior in the department that she worked in at Columbia University. So the process was, Helen would take down the notes, usually in the evening, uh, then she would go in to work early the next morning uh, to Bill, and she would uh, bring her notes, read them to Bill, and Bill would type the notes of what the dictation she had taken down. And um, obviously, there, this was somewhat of a secretive enterprise as well because uh, they really didn't want anybody to know that they were doing anything as outrageous as this, call it a project at this moment, could have been, you know? So they, they would draw the shades and close the doors and uh, go through this process almost every day of taking down the course. The other part of this that Bill played um, in the relationship he was a great comfort to uh, Helen. He was more level-headed. Uh, he was much calmer about this. Helen would sometimes be very distraught over uh, what she thought the course was saying. And um, sometimes she would be fearful and uh, 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 Bill would uh, you know, hold, her, hold her hand, so to speak, metaphorically and just walk her through it. And uh, they just kept going with it. So the course uh, that uh, the copy that uh, Tim pointed out to you, most of them are somewhat similar there, but there have been some um, changes in different chapters uh, that have been made. But this particular version 
the only changes that were made was the chapters were given names. So they broke it into what is now 31 chapters. And then the subheadings were given to um, break it up and make it easier for you to find things and make it easier for a table of contents. So um, those things were done, mostly structural. Then um, any personal uh, directions that Jesus gave to Helen or to Bill around personal relationships that were just really for their ears and would not um, work well in, um, for everyone. And so uh, those were removed. And you can find those in uh, separate um, journals. One is called the Earth Text, and there are a number of others that have um, printed, published those personal directions between Jesus and Helen and Bill. But the course that uh, we have here and the course we use is, uh, has everything that you need to uh, learn, learn everything you need, need to know from a, from a Course in Miracles. Um, the other thing that is uh, unique from most books that are published uh, it does not have Helen's name on it. It does not have Bill's name on it. Uh, they do not consider themselves the authors of the course. Helen considered herself to be a scribe. She just took down the message in order to bring it forward to us so that Jesus could reach us in a language we understand and uh, and words that of our understanding. Um, the uh, suggestion about reading the course um, that I would make is that the course is only for you. Like it was for Helen and it was for Bill it isn't about anybody else. It's about your mind and the condition of your mind. Now, Tim will talk a little bit more about that later. The mind is different from the brain. The brain is not the mind. But the Course is deeply concerned about the condition of your mind. And the goal is uh, ultimately inner peace. Uh, Obviously, um, a universal theology, as Jesus says, is not possible. Religions are always at, at war and conflict with one another. But a universal experience is not only possible, but necessary. And that universal experience is a universal experience of peace. And that experience of peace is not the peace that we caught in perception um, know about. It's not a compromise. It's not when warring sides put down their swords. It's a state of mind that is eternal. So the attainment of inner peace, which is with us always, everyone has that 
within their holy mind. Um, the attainment of inner peace is what enables us to look at the world differently, to see it from a place of inner peace rather than from a place of believing that we are um, vulnerable uh, and can be attacked and harmed and hurt. So ultimately the goal of the course is uh, that we all find our inner peace and that we have a guide to do this. And that guide is uh, our inner teacher. So another way of thinking of the course is that everyone would find their inner teacher and we all have the same inner teacher, fortunately, that's what unites us, the inner teacher of peace, the inner teacher of who we, who we truly are. And we cannot do that by ourselves. So the goal would be that we each would find our inner guide, our inner teacher, the Holy Spirit, and learn to bring everything to that inner teacher for correction and healing and undoing. So um, I will stop now and ask uh, if anyone has any questions or anything they want to uh, add to that. We have some longtime course students joining us here, I see. So uh, you might have something that you want to add to what I've shared. Any questions? All right. So with that, I will turn it back to Tim, who's going to talk about um, the three books, I think. <laughs> so my, my, my book was so beat up, you probably couldn't see it, but <laughs> this is what a newer version looks like. It's a Course in Miracles combined volume and it's put out by Foundation for Inner Peace. Originally, um, there's actually, originally there were three books in the course and they were actually published separately. Um, the text, the workbook for students and the manual for teachers, but then just got to be too much. They put all three in the same volume. And then a few years back after um, uh, they started adding these, what they call the two supplements. And, and that's um, these guys. The first one was psychotherapy pamphlet. And the other one was song of prayer pamphlet. And these were written after the course was initially um, written down and published. Psychotherapy came along about a year after uh, Helen was done with the course itself. And it was really addressing the issue of healing and what healing was all about from Jesus's point of view. Song of Prayer came along about a year after the psychotherapy pamphlet. Um, and that was all about uh, addressing the issue of forgiveness and kind of redirecting course students um, to uh, the, the basic premise that the miracle is always about a shift in perception. It's not about a shift in behavior. Sounds like a bunch of words, but um, as, as you continue in the course, you'll pick up what that really, really is all about. 
Um, and so the, these two pamphlets, the psychotherapy and the song of prayer are combined in the newer version of A Course in Miracles. What a lot of people aren't aware of, and what I wasn't aware of for years, um, there was the third thing in terms of a post-course that was written by Jesus through Helen. And um, that is really good to be aware of. The last thing that Jesus wrote through Helen was called The Gifts of God, Prose Poem. Now, this is, uh, this is the newer version, and this is the red one is the one I use all the time. <laughs> kind of endearingly. Um, the Gifts of God has a, a whole, the, most of it is a series of poems that Helen kind of co-wrote with Jesus about the process of forgiveness, about identity, about everything that's in the Course. But towards the end of this Gifts of God, there's also a, another, could have probably should have been a pamphlet separate by itself, where Jesus gives the fin his final message through Helen. So it's good to be aware that that is, um, it's not, it's not even in the new version of the course and um, you have to get it separately, but it does exist and it's powerful reading. It really is the capstone, I think, for the entire Course of Miracles to, uh, you have to have kind of an idea of what the course is saying in order to kind of get what the, that Gifts of God prose poem is all about, but it's, it's really beautiful. It's real succinct. Um, really nails um, everything that's said in the course um, in a really profound way, I think. So just to be aware of that. Um, so the three books, original books in the course, the text, the workbook for students and the manual for teachers, the text is, it, and it, it came off like, you know, a normal college course. The text is really the, the, the philosophy, the metaphysics, the, uh, the what, the, the nitty gritty of what the course is really all about. And then the workbook were basically kind of three, 365 lab experiments to actually put the course into practice. <laughs> you know, it, it was the lab. It was, it was the experiential part of the course. It was the way to assimilate what, what had been said and talked about in the text. And Jesus broke that into 365 lessons, one lesson for each day of the year. The only recommendation Jesus makes is that um, you don't do more than one lesson a day. However, you can spend as long as you want <laughs> on any one lesson. So, uh, and some of them get pretty long. They get like pretty, Jesus get, can't help himself. He gets pretty wordy in there. Some of them go on for like five pages. So you might want to spend a few more days on the ones that are a little lengthy. But the only recommendation that's made is that you only do no more than one lesson a day and you can spend as much time on that lesson as you want, a day or more or a lifetime even. But also what's true is, and you know, it's pretty, Jesus is pretty emphatic. If you get one lesson totally, you get them all. So that's always good to know. <laughs> but he knows we're a little hard-headed. <laughs> so he's walking us through this process over a year's time to, to begin to assimilate a lot of the ideas in the text. There's some major things in the text that are not um, in the workbook. Jesus' whole discussion of special relationships, which I think is really the heart and soul of the Course. And we're covering that now in our, in our series on the text, chapter 15, 16, 17. 
um, there's nothing specifically mentioned in the workbook about special relationships. The Laws of Chaos, which is a huge chapter, chapter 23 in the text, is not mentioned in the workbook. So I've run into a lot of course students over the years said, who said, I did the course. And what they meant was they did the workbook without ever knowing that there was this whole incredible expose of special relationships and what a trap they were and how we got ourselves involved in them and why we got ourselves involved in them, et cetera, et cetera. So it's, I think it's good to know that. You, just don't, I mean, and you can do any of the three books the way you want to. You can read a little of the text, you can do a lesson a day, you can just focus on the lessons period and then get to the text later. Probably the easiest one to read for a lot of people certainly it was for me uh, and, and to kind of get an idea of what Jesus is talking about is the Manual for Teachers. It, it's the shortest book of the three books. Um, text is about 600 plus pages. Um, workbooks about the same and then um, the uh, manual for teachers in the back of A Course in Miracles is about, I don't know, 90 pages or so. And, and it's, it's framed in the, um, in the context of questions like who are God's teachers? How in the hell, I'm paraphrasing, how in the hell do I do this anyway? I mean, it's those kind of questions. How, how do I put this into practice? So it's a, it's a really practical approach to demonstrating, not so much to anybody else that this stuff works, but demonstrating to ourselves that this stuff works. If we, if we apply it, if we practice it, if we ask the voice of love inside of us for help. So, in a nutshell, that's the three books. Any, any thoughts or questions about any of that stuff? Um, wanted to talk a little bit about um, the mind and, uh, and, and, and like I was saying earlier, Jesus uses that word lowercase m, mind, M-I-N-D, um, about 2,000 times in the Course. So it's a really important part of the experience of applying A Course in Miracles. And I think um, it's easy to, especially in the beginning, to believe that when Jesus is talking about the mind, he's talking about the brain, and he just ain't. <laughs> it's just not what he's talking about. He's, um, and it, it takes a little while to realize that's the case. But the, the mind for Jesus is really this internal place where we choose in any given moment between one of two teachers, either the voice of the ego or listening to the voice of the ego. And usually we don't admit that, but we're often running, basically um, doing what we do to the dictates of the ego. Or we're listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit, the voice of forgiveness. And uh, it's always, um, Jesus is always trying to get us to go back to that internal place where we are choosing between two teachers. Realize that in any given moment, uh, I can switch teachers. I, I can let go of the voice of um, selfishness. I can let go of the voice of the ego. I can let, let go of the voice of unforgiveness and I can begin to listen to the holy voice inside of me, the voice of love, the voice of forgiveness. Um, and, and so the Course is really about that shift in perception. Who am I seeing 
um, you with and who am I seeing myself with? Am I seeing my, you and myself with the ego as my teacher? And I'm often running, um, uh, insisting I know what's right <laughs> and I know what you should do to fix yourself and I know what I should do to fix myself. Or am I listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit, meaning I'm willing, and this is, this is a simplistic, simplistic way to put it, but I'm willing to see you the way Jesus does. I'm willing to see you as sinless, as the real sinless son of God that you are. And, and accordingly, this sinless son of God that I am too. I'm willing to move beyond the seeming perceptual differences that I've made a difference and that I'm invested in, and I'm willing to let go of my blame for a moment and be willing to see you the way Jesus does, your true identity. And I'm willing to experience that, and in turn, I'm also willing to see myself that way. And in a nutshell, that real, those two steps are really the two steps of forgiveness that Jesus talks about over and over and over again in the Course. And they both happen within this internal place where I'm, I'm letting go, I'm dropping the hand of the ego, and I'm asking Jesus to help me see you and me a different way. So out of that, out of that, um, I'll naturally become kinder, I'll naturally become um, less egotistical, I'll actually walk around in some kind of awareness that we're joined instead of trying to constantly point the finger at how we're different. So one way to look at the lessons in the workbook is Jesus is really, really, really trying to get us to look at how judgmental we are, how much throughout the course of a day we're looking for trouble. We're looking to point the finger at somebody or something. You know, and um, I don't know about you, but if you don't think that's the case, just watch the news on any given night. <laughs> There's lots of material there to be pointing fingers at who's responsible. And in time and space, people are responsible for what they do, or they should be. But Jesus' whole take is, that's not who we are. What we do in time and space, yet it seems to affect bodies affecting bodies. But he's real adamant that if I'm willing to see you the way he does, and I'm willing to see myself the way he does, I'll have a different experience of everything. I'll have a different experience of the world. And the world can go on, and it'll continue to be crazy, and it'll continue to do what it does, but I won't take it so seriously. I'll still deal with it appropriately. In time and space, you know, I'll vote for who I want to vote for. I'll, I'll take care of my family. I'll put a roof over my head, et cetera, et cetera. I'll still do what I do, but I'll be a little less judgmental. I'll be a little less crazy, and I won't be constantly looking to, to blame somebody for something. So he really, in those lessons, he really, 365 lessons, he really helps us get in touch with how often we're judgmental and how we go looking for um, somebody to blame all the time. That's what the Course is really about, is about letting go of being so judgmental. First against our brothers, whoever it is we're pointing the finger at. Could be, you know, somebody we, we know well, could be somebody we don't know at all. And then ultimately let go of pointing the finger at ourselves and saying, um, look what I did. And so this, uh, 
this emphasis that we certainly put on um, the course that it's about perception and not about behavior. Because the trick with the ego is it, it can do all kinds of really nice things in the name of looking good. <laughs> in the name of, I, I just want you to think I'm a nice guy. <laughs> and I'll still be internally judging like crazy. And I'll still be wound up, you know, as tight as can be. So it's really, on a practical level, what the Course helps us do is get through a day in a normal way, but not be so intensely crazed about any given thing in any given moment. That I can see beyond that to what's really going on. That love is still a done deal. Innocence is still a done deal. You and I are still okay in spite of what we did or didn't do. And I'll still deal with you and myself accordingly, but I won't be so invested in taking it so seriously. And I'll, have, I'll truly have an experience that holiness is still who we are. It's a real experience. It's not, it's not some, I mean, at first it sounds real intellectual and yeah, <laughs> we say all kinds of things, but to try to get through um, even learning it intellectually, we learn the three steps of forgiveness. The first two are the two I was talking about. I stop, I'm willing to stop blaming you. I'm willing to stop blaming myself. And then the third step is what the introduction talks about. When I lay down the blocks to my awareness that you're still one son of God. When I lay down the blocks to my awareness that I'm still one son of God with you. Then what's left is the third step of experience. The third step of forgiveness, which is the experience of, of holiness, which is the experience that our identity is still intact. And it's a profound thing. I mean, it, it, it's truly, you know, it's why we keep coming back. Because <laughs> once you have it, <laughs> you know, it, it works and it, and it makes sense. And we don't have to run around being so crazy as we used to be. Any, any questions or thoughts or anything um, about any of that? I, I was just going to share how, um, the, you know, the experience of forgiveness, you know, so, as you point out, you know, so much related to uh, how we relate to everyone and what we think about others. And uh, I happened to hear a, a song lyric earlier today that just re reminded me of how important that is. This is a, an older Johnny Clegg and Savuka song. And it was, uh, we're the prisoners of the prisoners we have taken. And I thought, wow, that really, <laughs> that really nails it pretty well. You know, because oh, every, every time we project our unconscious, unfounded guilt on anyone, which is not usually what, you know, we admit to ourselves, but, you know, that's what's going on according to the course, you know, we're, we're basically holding hostage in our minds um, the identity of, of everyone else while holding our own hostage at the same time. And it's just, it's just a, a crazy game that the course comes at uh, from so many different angles to point out that, you know, we keep trying to make that work and discover it doesn't, it never has worked and never will. And eventually we give up on it and we're at peace. <laughs> Fancy that. <laughs> anyway, thanks. Thanks, Bruce. Yeah. One of, uh, I wanted to, I was, I was sort of iffy about this, but I wanted to look at, um, if you have a book, look at Lesson 79 in the workbook. Lesson 79, Lesson 80, like I said, if you get any lesson in, in, in the workbook, totally, you'll, you'll get them all. <laughs> but Lesson 79 is a good one to start with, even though it's 79 lessons into the workbook. At least 
to get a, a picture of what's going on. And what he's saying here, there's only one, one and only problem in any given moment with all of us. But we make all kinds of problems up to keep that one and only problem out of our awareness. And what Jesus is really, really, really adamant about is that one and only problem is that we believe, not that we actually did it, but we believe we separated from God. We believe we pulled off the original sin. We believe we left heaven. And, and that's, he says, is totally ridiculous, but once you lay that down as the cornerstone, as the foundation of your new identity as being separated from God, you're often running with that. And it's hell, because it's the opposite of heaven. So what he's talking about here in Lesson 79, it's on page 141 in the workbook. Let me recognize the real one and only problem so it can be solved. That I'm hanging on internally to this crazy belief in separation from Jesus, from God, from you, from myself. And then, you know, he elaborates. A problem, paragraph one, a problem cannot be solved if you do not know what it is. We think we know what, what the problem is. Let me tell you. <laughs> Lesson five is I'm never upset for the reason I think. Well, you know, I'm always upset for the reason I think. <laughs> and I can tell you what the reason is. I know what the problem is. It's usually not me. It's usually somebody else. But I know what the problem is. And Jesus is like, nah, nah, that's just, that's just a distraction. That's just a camouflage so you don't, so you don't admit to yourself that you're really hanging on to pushing God out of your awareness in that moment. And now you've got to find somebody to blame for it. So a problem cannot be solved if you don't know what it is. Even if it's really solved already, you will still have the problem because you will not recognize it has been solved. Bruce uh, was mentioning guilt uh, before, and Jesus uses that word a lot. It's a hard word to listen to. <laughs> Because first he's talking about the internal guilt that we're hanging on to um, that proves to ourselves that we actually, we made up the guilt, but it proves to ourselves we actually pulled off the separation. We feel terrible because we left heaven. And Jesus like, yeah, you, you don't have to feel terrible because you left heaven because you didn't leave heaven. You're just running around like a chicken with its head chopped off trying to find peace in all the wrong places. The, piece, the internal peace is always there, and we're avoiding it by trying to fix all these problems in the world. So he's like, yeah, go ahead and fi fix the problems in the world. Do what you do, but don't take them so seriously and realize that you're still joined with me. You did not, your identity is not separate from mine, and I'll show you that if you let me in. That's what the course is really all about. That's always the one and only problem. So then we make up all these external problems in the world and say, the guilt's not mine. I didn't leave heaven, but look what you did. And now I'm often running believing I'm in a world as a body and I know what the problems are and I know how to fix them. So it, it's a huge self setup not to see that we did this really silly thing, believing we could separate from God. And rather than admit we did that, we, we make up all of this. Uh, in the manual, it says, what is the, not, yeah, in the workbook actually, it says, what is the world? And the world was made as an attack on God, as a, as a place where God could not enter. Meaning, 
I'm going to insist I know what the problem is in the world. I know what the problems of the world are. And if they get fixed, I'll feel better. We usually, it takes till we're about in our 40s to realize that just didn't work. <laughs> no matter how many problems I, I fixed in the world, with you or me, something's still wrong. <laughs> There's this underlying feeling something's still wrong because we never address the real problem of belief in separation. So, and that's what he's talking about here. Line three, this is the situation of the world. Line four, the problem of separation. It's not even se the problem of separation. It's just that we believed it. We never separated. But the problem of belief in separation, which is really the only problem, has already been solved. We never separated. We're just the son of God pretending we did. Yet the solution is not recognized because the problem is not recognized. And that, that's, this lesson 79 is all about that. Getting back internally to the I chose the ego as my teacher on a normal ego day. I'm looking for trouble in the world so I don't fess up to I'm still hanging on to the belief in separation, which I couldn't do anyway. I mean, it, it's so simplistic and it's so mind-blowing. What if that, I mean, it's, it's a giant conspiracy theory for sure. It's the conspiracy theory of all conspiracy theories, but we did it to ourselves. We conspired to, with ourselves to get so obsessed with the world, we don't look at what the one and only issue is, is I'm still pushing Jesus away. And then we go back to all the yeah, buts. Yeah, but look what they did. <laughs> yeah, but look at the coronavirus. Yeah, but look at my finances. Yeah, and, and all those yeah, buts in time and space are true, but what's that got to do with you if you're still the son of God? What's that got to do with any of us if we're still the son of God? So paragraph two, everyone in this world seems to have his own special problems. Well, yeah, that's why we came here. <laughs> that's why we believe we're here. <laughs> the big distraction, the stick song, welcome to the grand illusion. <laughs> this is all the grand illusion. We're tricking ourselves into all this stuff. Yet, they're all the same. They're all based on the same issue. So I don't look at the issue, what the real issue is and must be recognized as one, if the one solution that solves them all is to be accepted. Paragraph three, line three, a long series, many lifetimes. <laughs> a long series of different problems seems to confront you. And as one is settled, the next one and the next arise. There seems to be no end to them. There seems to be no time in which you feel completely free of problems and at peace. The temptation to regard problems as many is the temptation to keep the problem of separation unsolved. And he just hammers that home over and over again. Paragraph six, all this complexity, all these problems is but a de desperate attempt not to recognize the real problem and therefore not to let it be resolved. If you could realize that your only problem is separation, no matter what form it takes, no matter what issue you think is a problem, you could accept the answer because you would see its relevance. Perceiving the underlying constancy in all the problems that seem to confront you, you would understand that you have the means to solve them all. So, I mean, 
if, if any of this is even slightly true, this is huge. I mean, we get to solve everything. <laughs> all the problems that we thought were problems, they all get solved because they weren't the problems to begin with. <laughs> they were just the distractions. We'll still get up, we'll brush our teeth, we'll still have breakfast, we'll still go to work, we'll, if you have a job. <laughs> but we'll do what we do as bodies. But we won't take them so seriously and we won't be looking to blame somebody for our lack of peace if we're willing to look at this the way Jesus is seeing it. So that, in a super nutshell, is what the Course is all about. Learning this process of waking up. That what I think is the problem ain't the problem. Once again, line five, what if I'm not upset for the reason I think? What if it's something else that I just don't want to look at? And what if it's something as silly as pushing Jesus out of my awareness and I can let him back in in, in in any given second? I can let back in that awareness of the voice for love inside of me in any given moment and be willing to see you and myself the way Jesus does, the way the Holy Spirit does. Any, anything about any of that? Anybody have any good forgiveness lessons today? Tony, I know you had a few. <laughs> Always. <laughs> but I, I was just thinking um, as you were talking, the thing about how we don't take it so seriously anymore. And I think for me that, that it's been such a gradual thing that you don't even realize it but something happens and other people are getting upset and, and you realize maybe at one time I would have, and for a long time I thought there's something wrong with me because maybe I'm just, you know, not able to feel I'm not being compassionate enough or um, not enough empathy. But um, that was in the past, as the course talks about true empathy, you know, it's not joining in the suffering, but you're joining in the truth. So um, I just, I, for myself, I've just seen it's been a gradual change that not that I'm, you know, in peace and la-la land all the time for, uh, for sure. But um, it's just noticing that things don't upset me as much as, you know, like the big thing. And well, the coronavirus and politics and all, I'm, I mean, they're there and I, you know, I, I watch the music on occasion, not every day, but um I don't know, it just doesn't seem to have that impact like maybe it would have at one time. So, I mean, that, I remember my, um, I guess before I got into the course, my, what I was, uh, I don't say praying for, but um, it was my prayer of my heart was peace of mind. But I remember saying that, you know, for years before I even knew about the course, I wanted peace of mind. And so I see the course as the answer to that prayer. So, um, not that I'm there, there yet, but it's sure better than it used to be. Thanks. Thanks, Tony. Yeah, I, sometimes I feel like I'm not getting anywhere, and then I think about how crazy I was a year ago. <laughs> well, sometimes it's yesterday, how crazy. The really funny thing is, when I get crazy and I work forgiveness, I can't remember what it was I was crazy about. I knew I was crazy. I knew something was really bothering me, but for the life of me, I can't remember what it was. <laughs> and then I tried to figure it out because I think I st should still be upset. <laughs> yeah. Nidra, anything going on? Oh, no. <laughs> well, there's always opportunities for uh, 
it, there's it's always there. There's always something. Oh, the ego always throws something in your way. I had one. I had one the other day. It was really funny, and I laughed at it because it was like, why was I annoyed? You know. And then, then I immediately joined with the Holy Spirit and it went away. It was a, totally at peace, which is just it's just really funny when that happens. Can I talk about the immersion, or do you want to talk? Can I talk about that? Oh yeah, definitely. If you want to plug the immersion, do it. <laughs> <laughs> you have to yeah. describe. I, I, you have to see. describe what it is. Okay, well, yeah, let me get, I, let me. I'm gonna uh, go up to it because I have a history. Um, I, I I was in a seminary and I did the Course in Miracles track. And uh, when I had left the seminary and I was ordained and all of that, I was looking for uh, 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 someone. I'm looking for a teacher. I'm looking for a teacher who did Ken Wapnick's uh, teaching. He, for my, in my opinion, the original and authentic teacher of the Course in Miracles. So I actually found the School for Course in Miracles after Googling a bunch of different places. And uh, they, actually, they actually had a, um, a retreat coming up. So I got on a plane, went to Denver, uh, and I had an, uh, one of my uh, uh, cohorts was a minister and told her about uh, Tim and Lynn, and there was a school. They had <laughs> do Ken Wapnick's teachings. So I went to the retreat and um, found out they were having an immersion. And uh, the immersion sounded like a dream to me because I was doing the course and quite, you know, I was kind of limping along trying to, to do the course. So the immersion, which is a, an immersion um, in the course and the principles of the course. So I signed up. It, it is a fair amount of work and reflection and, um, but I was really excited. There was still, and there was a lot of resistance too. I gotta say, there was part of me that went, "Why are you doing this?" And it's so time-consuming. I got my job. I've got all this going on. Then I'm gonna curve out for the the immersion. So I went through the immersion, one and two, and I've got to say, it was probably the most powerful experience. In that, the thing about the course is, you want to, you know, we all want results. We want to see what's going to happen. Well. The experience of going through the immersion boosted my knowledge of the course. I don't even know how many, how much to say it did. It, uh, it, it, it was huge. My life um, uh, did a 180 degree turn in the, in the healing that took place. Uh, relationships changed. Uh, a lot of things changed. And I'm just plugging the immersion because uh, of the the impact that it has on a lot of the students. You can talk to a lot of students who went through immersion and, uh, and it is impactful. And if you want the, if you want to really immerse into the substance of the course, or you can be, you know, and I don't have any, you know, and I always tell folks, if you want to be immersion light, that's okay. You can just skip on around the course because it has something for everyone. And there's parts of it that will it always can uplift you. But if you really want to do the work to create the change in yourself, in your perceptions, totally, then I strongly suggest doing the course um, if you want to make that change. Because you can, you can use the course and just kind of lightly go with it. Uh, and it's still going to have an impact. But if you really want to have a deeper impact and a deeper knowing and a deeper understanding um, that I would strongly suggest that. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> Thanks, Nidra. Thanks. So, uh, we, uh, we, uh, and Lynn did this initially when she started the school for Course in Miracles, back then called School of Reason, but um, 
that she became aware of with a number of other uh, course students that people were all over the place with the course and that they really weren't getting to some of the core issues. So they, they put together, I think this was about 10, 11 years ago, they put together a program to take it one step at a time to, um, to look at the basics together as a group and develop um, some of the fundamental thoughts that, that were presented in the course in, in a linear way so that they would build upon each other. And so they, now it's kind of formulated into a six-month program, Immersion One. Um, you know, we start with um, real fundamental stuff like, like what, what the hell is forgiveness? <laughs> and how do you apply it? And who in the hell is the Holy Spirit? <laughs> and how do you connect with him? And, and those kind of fundamental ideas. And it's put together over a six-month period. You have um, uh, contact with a mentor throughout the whole process. So that as things come up, and they do, and they will, um, you can talk and check in with them about how they got through similar stuff and what they do, um, even now, to uh, when they get caught up in, a, in some kind of drama. So that's the, Lynn, you want to say anything more about the immersion program after Nidra so nicely plugged it? We'll give you your, your 20 bucks later, Nidra. Thank you. <laughs> Um, do you want me to talk about this, the school now? Uh, sure, and then Ken's teachings, I think. Yeah. So... Um, and you only have three minutes, so... No, I'm teasing. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to um, start with 2007, because two, 2007 was um, the year that we started the, this, what we called the school, School for a Course in Miracles. Actually, it was first called School of Reason. Um, and the, the, um, the background for that, for, for starting a school, let alone a school for <laughs> A Course in Miracles, um, was that um, I had worked with the Course for many years prior to discovering Ken Wapnick, um, some 15 years as a matter of fact. And when I started to work with his material, it was like what, what a difference it would have made if I had had this understanding 15 years ago. You know, 15 years of slogging away, uh, mostly on my own and then sometimes in other classes. But I always knew there's, there, there's something missing here. Like, it seemed impossible to actually have the experience the Course is talking about, the, the experience uh, that the Course is leading us to, et eternal, internal, eternal, internal peace. How is that possible? And um, 
and the course kept telling me that it was possible, not only was possible, it was necessary. And I started working with Ken's material. And it was clear that there, there needed, let me back up just a minute. What Kenneth has given us is a template for understanding A Course in Miracles, like a structure, a framework of understanding two mutually exclusive thought systems, the ego thought system, the Holy Spirit's thought system of healing and forgiveness, the ego's thought system of separation, uh, sickness, pain, suffering, and death, sin, guilt, and fear, ego's thought system. And um, what, what Kenneth was able to do is to give us, a, as I said, a structure or a template in which to not un only understand it, but to teach what the Course was saying so that you could go anywhere in A Course in Miracles and you would understand exactly what that paragraph was saying and what that chapter was saying because you got a picture of the overview of the entire Course and the two different thought systems and how to choose between the two of them how to accomplish something that for heretofore seemed like an impossibility. How, how can we do this? So um, we started, uh, we had a group and um, we worked with the journey through the workbook, which is Ken's journey through the workbook where he goes through each lesson uh, and, and gives a discourse, a complete discourse of every paragraph in the entire workbook. And it, it was just like the course exploded. The understanding deepened and the changes we began to experience and the way we began to see started to really shift and change. And we thought, we, we, have, to, we have to make this, we have to help others understand this. We really, need to put together a school where you know we're we're not we're not the teachers we're all learners together we're all learning here but we're learning from jesus and we're learning with the help of the material that ken gave us to make the understanding um easier uh to make the understanding simpler and it was almost like I'll use just a tiny example, guilt. Almost anyone, if you ask them and they hadn't been doing the Course in Miracles, you know, how they felt about guilt, how, how they felt guilty, they would say, I don't feel guilt or I don't know what guilt is. Well, A Course in Miracles comes along and talks about guilt. It's all throughout the Course. And still, and still, we weren't getting it. We weren't understanding that guilt is the kingpin. 
And if you pull that kingpin out, the whole thought system collapses. So th things like this, understanding really the way the system works enables us to approach the course in a very different way. And so um, we began a school. There were three of us in the beginning. Um, and it was called the School of Reason, reason being right-mindedness. And uh, as uh, years, years went along, um, there were different stages of, of teaching and workshops and seminars. And then in uh, 2007, oh, I had a website, a website called Becoming Learners Together because I firmly believed that we all needed to learn how to learn. So that's one of the, the fundamental things that the school also offers is learning how to learn. Learning what that actually means to uh, turn our, what we think we know over to, to let it go and to come with empty hands to a different way of learning. We're learning from a teacher that's out of time. That is not like accumulating information and then regurgitating it. I mean, we need to learn the metaphysics. And uh, we put the metaphysics together the school in the school. And again, a way that it all fits together and you begin to see the whole picture. Um, but um, the uh, actual learning to learn is um, not something where um, it doesn't come natural for us. <laughs> what comes natural for us is to think that we have the answers as the lesson uh, that Tim just read. We think we know the problem and we think we can come up with an answer. And the fact of the matter is, we don't know the problem. We need to give over all of the problems that we think we know that we have and learn from a different teacher. So, um, so we started, started a school and in 2007, we decided to change the name to School for A Course in Miracles because that's really what it is. And we uh, dedicated the school to Kenneth Wapnick and his teachings, which uh, we so feel so blessed and grateful to have. Uh, when I think of the, the shepherds of A Course in Miracles, there were actually three. <laughs> it was Helen and Bill, and then there was Ken. And Ken's function was to keep the course on course. It had already begun to um, deteriorate with the publications of, uh, and the channeling uh, or the scribing that Helen did with the Song of Prayer and then the psychotherapy pamphlet. Those came as corrections because we were still not getting the idea that we needed to learn differently. We needed to learn from another teacher. What was happening is we, as students of A Course in Miracles, were 
doing it the old way, bringing Jesus into our dream and asking him to help us with the dream, help us fix the dream, help us make ourselves better persons rather than the process of going to where he is with the help of the Holy Spirit and learning in a different way, not conceptually, not as a brain, but being taught, literally being taught who we are. Let me, let me just read something. I was, I was thinking uh, a few minutes earlier. This will just give you an idea of how impossible it would be for you and me to teach ourselves this, what I'm going to read you. And it's, it's possible from beyond this world, but it is not possible for us to do this ourselves. So here it is. The Holy Spirit sees, sees where we think we are and he teaches simply this is not true. The Holy Spirit shows us this is not true. In other words, our illusions disappear with the Holy Spirit's teaching. Now, you can't do that, and I can't do that. But we've all had the experience who practice this course that we believe heavily in something, and we invite the Holy Spirit, and the next thing we know, it's gone. It's gone. We can't even remember, as Tim said, what the problem was. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. So, to all the unhappy learners, unhappy learners, not happy about learning, don't want to learn another way from another teacher, but want to teach themselves. To all those unhappy learners who would teach themselves nothing, nothing, trying to teach ourselves that what we think we are is the reality. To those unhappy learners who would teach themselves nothing and delude themselves into believe that it's not nothing. <laughs> In other words, this world is reality and I'm a body and I'm a person in a dream and I'm real. <laughs> the Holy Spirit says this to you. So let's all listen to these words. The Holy Spirit says this to you. If you believe this world is real and your body is real and your brother's body is real, hear this. The Holy Spirit says with steadfast quietness, the truth is true. The truth is true. Nothing else matters. Nothing else is real and everything beside it is not there. That's why it disappears when the Holy Spirit is our teacher. He shows us literally as an experience that it's not there. Let me, let me, Holy Spirit, let me, Jesus, let me make this distinction for you 
that you cannot make, but you need to learn. Your faith in nothing is deceiving you. Give me your faith. In other words, put your faith in the guide and the teacher, the unseen, the unheard, Holy Spirit. Put your faith in the unseen and the unheard. And I will place it gently in the place where it belongs. And you will find no deception there, but only the simple truth. And you will love it. You will love it because you will understand it. There's a place in us that cannot be upset or disturbed or perturbed or angered or annoyed that is constant and steady. That's the experience that he said, that experience is not only possible, it's necessary. It's necessary. Then whatever we do in the world will be truly helpful because it will be coming from a place not of being against, fighting against, but coming from a place of knowing that the truth is true and only the truth is true. This is an unshakable place. It's available in every single one of us. We can see it, we can look upon it in one another and actually know that it's there. And this is, this is what happened with us, for us, in, in, in working with Ken, understanding the importance of this, the importance of keeping the course on the rails, so to speak, and not going off into fantasy land where we think that Jesus is a, 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 or God, our errand boys to come in and make our life a little better. This is a complete change in what we think we are. And it, yes, it's impossible to us, but it is totally possible for us to recognize it's impossible for us and then understand we have all the help that we could possibly ever want. Just a simple nodding to the Holy Spirit to learn to learn a different way. And I, I know because I, I, <laughs> I did this for years and years and years, and I did not get that distinction. I did not learn that. And so when it became clear to me, I, I knew there was a way to teach this course as we do in Immersion 1 and Immersion 2, where Immersion 1, the program is to learn, first of all, what it means to be a mind, that you're a mind, not a brain, 
and then what it means to change your mind. How do you do that? I've known people 15, 20 years with the course, they don't know the difference between the brain and the mind, and they don't know the power of that decision maker to make that choice to become a learner. Now, I don't know about you, but I really, I really know that the experience is available to us. And, and that's really what we want to bring around and, and share with anyone who wants to learn this course. I tend to think it's kind of a fast track. Uh, immersion one is to learn those, those things and immersion two is to learn to work with the Holy Spirit, to have the Holy Spirit be your constant guide and companion. And so that you begin to actually see that the evidence that we're learning from the Holy Spirit are miracles. Miracles are natural. When they don't occur, something's gone wrong. Yeah, we're teaching ourselves, that's what's gone wrong. We're not learning from the Holy Spirit, that's what's gone wrong. But when we're learning from the Holy Spirit, the miracles are the witness that tells us, I'm learning from the right teacher. I'm not learning from the old boogeyman, the ego that sees problems and suffering and pain and death everywhere. So this, the, the two immersions, immersion one and immersion two, um, both six month programs, um, and I, I know um, uh, Nidra spoke of it, and maybe somebody else here also wants to speak of um, um, some of the benefits of you know, learning from the Course, learning from the Holy Spirit, and learning with uh, School for a Course in Miracles. So, and Bruce, you're, you're kind of nodding there. Do you, would you like to say anything about learning? <laughs> certainly, certainly, yeah. The, the, uh... The, the immersive experience, uh, not, not only with the immersion classes, but also just the, the uh, I think the increase in frequency of the classes uh, over the last four or five months has been uh, instrumental, I think, in, in deepening the, uh, you know, it, it, it's starting to sink in. <laughs> you know, it, it basically just, you know, after realizing how much resistance we have, you know, it, I think the repetition um, is is essential uh, and and coming at it from all different angles and recognizing like you're saying it's 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 the it's the process of, of noticing that that the mind is the only place that's going to happen and uh, I was thinking about the Einstein quote of you know problems aren't solved on this on uh, you know you have to be taken to a level where they were created which is or, or in this case made up uh, yes. and and that's and that's where I think immersing ourselves in that kind of curriculum really does give us an opportunity to look more deeply and more consistently at the, the choice we're making with that decision-making faculty 24-7 and realizing my piece is completely contingent on that. So anyway, yeah, the, yeah. the uh, yeah, I can't say enough good things about the, the curriculum. So thank you yeah. very, very much. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Bruce. It's 6.30. Abby? It is six. Yeah, it is six thirty. <laughs> but let Abby go. <laughs> go ahead, Abby. I was just going to say that uh, 
I, you make me feel really uh, slow, which is fine, because uh, I would listen to Ken because he was the only teacher when I first picked up the course. And uh, I didn't know what he was saying, but I was stubborn enough to think, well, if I just keep listening, something will click. And and I did. I kept listening and listening and listening. And, and I got a lot. I got maybe 10, 15% of understanding. And, and I would understand when I heard somebody or something else say, this is what it says, that I could remember what Ken said, but it didn't really enter my consciousness in the way that the immersion did because so many blocks fell together even after years of listening to ken when i went into the immersion i i'd still be listening to all his tapes all his recordings and i wouldn't understand it to the extent and have the experience had i not done the immersion because and maybe it was just the fact of making the commitment of this, the, the, at least seven to ten hours a week, which I probably did four. But it was a, a total 180-degree uh, turnaround in understanding, oh, this is what it means. This is where it's taking me. And it just got a life of its own. Um, so, you know, I, I don't know that having Ken around for a few decades help till I got to the immersion, but it, 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 it moved the blocks in, sure. into place. I didn't know what to do with all these, all the lumber and the, and the cinder blocks and the bags of cement, but I knew they, <laughs> I knew I needed them. I didn't know where to put them. <laughs> and I knew when somebody was trying to sell me something else, like, you know, aluminum siding, oh, that's not part of it. <laughs> so thank you. <laughs> Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Abby. All right. Um, anyone else have any thoughts or comments or questions? Cindy. I just ask a, a question. I'm such a new person, but I, I am very, very intrigued. But I have a question that just keeps coming. Um, why Helen? I think I heard you. Your your sound is really my, faint. My uh, question was, why Helen? Why? Well, why <laughs> did Jesus speak to Helen? That's well, the the only answer I know to give is, is is the one that Jesus gave Helen because she asked that. Why me? Why did you choose me? And he simply said, because you'll do it. And she did. He knew she would do it. That's that. I, that's probably not a satisfying answer, but that's the answer Jesus gave. Um, I didn't know if she asked. I didn't know if she asked. So um, mm -hmm. it just, not, I don't know. I'm <laughs> just thinking, thinking. Sure. Mm -hmm. It could happen to any of us. <laughs> oh, God forbid. Huh? <laughs> uh, anybody else have any questions? All right, we're going to close. Tim, did you have anything else you wanted to go?
No, that's plenty. <laughs> we have, we have, we do have online classes every day, um, either at ten in the morning or five at night, um, depending on the day. So hopefully, if if you want to pursue more, come check out one of the online classes. And all that stuff's available on our website, times and topics and all that stuff. So as a closing, we thought we just um, would do one more paragraph. This is at, actually at the end of chapter 31, the end of the text. And um, Jesus is addressing us. It's page 668. It's chapter 31, the last section. Choose once again. Choose once again. Choose, choose the Holy Spirit instead of the ego. And uh, in, in paragraph 8, he's addressing us directly. And Jesus says, my brothers in salvation, do not fail to hear my voice and listen to my words. I ask for nothing but your own release. There is no place for hell within a world whose loveliness can yet be so intense and so inclusive. It is but a step from there to heaven. To your tired eyes, I bring a vision of a different world so new and clean and fresh you will forget the pain and sorrow that you saw before yet this a vision in which you must share with everyone you see for the, for otherwise you will not behold it to give this gift is how to make it yours and god ordained in loving kindness that it be for you Thanks for coming, everybody. <laughs> Thanks for hanging in there. Yeah. We Thank you, everybody. <laughs> Till next time. Yeah. Thank you.